Welcome back, everybody. It's CFP Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Fogman. Follow me on the Twitter, at Fogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter, at CFP Winning Edge, and Xavier Trish, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, on the Twitter machine for everybody. Uh, big, big old weekend we had this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the results have been good for CFP Winning Edge as well. Uh, the win totals are amazing. Uh, everything's going good. Xavier's uh, very happy because Tennessee won't stop winning games. We're just having a grand old time here. He's even wearing CFP winning orange edge, right, and black. Nick? He's got an orange and black t-shirt. Yeah, he's on. got orange and black on. He's repping Tennessee, uh, uh, you know, during Georgia week. I don't understand that. <laughs> he definitely didn't just get up to change, by the way. So that's good. Uh, but, Nick, we'll, we'll start with you. Week 9. Over in the books, obviously, uh, Tennessee with the stomping of Kentucky was uh, the big one of the week. TCU holds off West Virginia. Ohio State beats Penn State. Um, Notre Dame downs the ranked Syracuse Orangemen. Uh, Wake Forest gets stomped by Louisville. Kansas State blows out OK State. And uh, Ole Miss holds off AM. So lots to go around here. What are your immediate takeaways from week nine there? Oh, boy. I mean, you know, we talked a little last week about how there weren't too many, you know, major marquee matchups, even the some of the biggest games, the ranked versus ranked. I mean, that Kentucky at Tennessee game was a bit of a dud because it was over pretty quick. Uh, K-State, I mean, I, I talked about how I didn't necessarily agree with our projection that we had K-State favored in that game. I wished we were on Oklahoma state. And then that one was just, I mean, it was, it was mind boggling at times, uh, just <laughs> 48 to nothing. Uh, it, it was wild, but we were treated to uh, certainly some good games, some upsets, unfortunately, a, a long list of quarterback injuries um, that, you know, carried over from the previous week, some new guys injured, uh, you know, really wish that, that, that would stop. But you mentioned the win totals. We had another batch that uh, has been, you know, uh, you pencil it in. I, I don't think any books would be uh, paying anything yet. They always wait till the regular season uh, is over. But um, 35 of them have been decided. We are currently 33 and two, Woo. which is just, I mean, stranger than fiction, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I've, I've tweeted it out a couple of times. Usually I try to uh, control myself and not tweet out too many success bits, but it's nice to celebrate a little bit because put in a lot of, you know, long days, long hours in the off season. And we obviously, I make you guys sit here for three hours at a time as we go through those <laughs> team previews uh, where we talk about those win totals. Those are but, riveting three hours. Come on. I am, <laughs> I am engaged fully the whole time. I love them. I get great feedback from them. And, and yeah, I really appreciate, them. really appreciate. I don't say I make you guys. I, I appreciate that, yeah. that you guys are willing to, to stick with me on those, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just the, the number is it's ridiculous. Like if, if it weren't something that we had sent out to all of our Patreon supporters after we did those preview shows, if we didn't uh, record those preview shows and people could go back and listen to them, listen to the exact you know, we're over this, we're under this, um, then, you know, I, I might not call any attention to it, but the fact that the number is is so ridiculous 
it just kind of it kind of makes me laugh. And you know, there's no way we're going to end anywhere close to. Uh, I'm no math major here, but it tells me 94.3 percent. <laughs> you don't think we're going to end there? <laughs> I don't Come think on. we're going to end there. I mean, we've already got a few that are guaranteed. If CFP one is CFP one push. If if it ends at ninety four percent, we this podcast won't be coming back because Vegas will be dropping a bag on Nick to have him come work for them. So I mean, it's, uh, it's we've we've gotten lucky in spots. We've gotten just some, you know, and and some of these are not shockers. I mean, I did list all the odds. We're up twenty seven point three units, by the way. If you were to risk a hundred dollars in every one. Um, and not very many of these are playing, you know, paying plus money. And, and there are plenty of them where the odds were uh, down in the, you know, 170 for Tennessee over seven and a half. That's not, uh, that's not shocking anybody. But right. um, I, I feel decent about what's left. I mean, we'll certainly inch down and, and we might even, you know, end up uh, uh, quite a few percentage points lower. Uh, than we are now, but it's it's fun right now for me, and and to celebrate a little bit of our hard work, you know, is is nice to do, and, and hopefully it doesn't annoy folks out there. I'm going to eventually uh, stop <laughs> tweeting these you, out. Usually, people aren't really annoyed <laughs> by making money, so well, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't. That's that's not usually my style, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe my personality is changing these days. I, I know uh, Xavier <laughs> Xavier and I have talked a lot about how we wish you just calm down and uh, not be so uh, braggadocious on the the tweets. So you know, just relax on that if you would, Nick. Please, yeah, Jeez, I, I, will, I will. I will. Overbearing is how I describe you to right. other people. So. And we had a you know we've had a really really good month against the spread. I've, I've almost stopped talking about that uh, partly because I was so you know, embarrassed about how last year went. Uh, September was awful. I was ready to, you know, throw <laughs> everything in the trash can, go do something else with my day to day. But it's been nice to see it bounce back. Certainly, you know, past performance on any of this is no guarantee of future results. You know, add disclaimer here, big flashing signs. Uh, we are we are not guaranteed to win ever again. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's nice to see when hard work pays off. And, and uh, I, I certainly don't suggest anyone go out and bet these that we're talking about. But uh, if there are some folks who use our information, you know, for whatever purpose, um, hopefully it's beneficial to them, however they choose to use it. So it's, it's nice when it uh, works out and, and the results are, um, you know, what we hope they'll be. So uh, beyond that, last weekend ended up being a great weekend of college football. This weekend, we're going to get treated to, what is it, two top 10 matchups in the SEC, one versus three in the most recent uh, playoff rankings, which just wrapped up, uh, which I know Xavier's got some on with no issues at all. Some so. thoughts on, but uh, yeah, anyway, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit of a fun time right now and, and hopefully it'll continue. Uh, not just great football, but, you know, some some good results as well. And uh, we'll continue to to enjoy things. I enjoy this a lot more than I did, you know, a month ago when I was <laughs> down in the dumps and uh, 
just kicking my computer across the room every time, you know, Saturdays. So yeah, it seemed to work the opposite way for me. I, I, uh, I had a hot start and a cold finish to week nine here. Started four and one, finished one and four, and got backdoored on three of those last ones. That was just infuriating. Uh, but, you know, ended up five and five, still only the one uh, below 500 week, and I believe still 16 games up on the year for my uh, betting pros uh, column that I do. Xavier, I will get to the CFP in a minute here, but just in terms of week nine, what was your what were your big takeaways? Well, first and foremost, that I was so wrong about Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I mean, what a game from Kansas State. Like, I was just extremely proud of what I saw from them. Uh, obviously, I'm a huge, I'm an unapologetically huge Deuce Vaughn fan this season. Uh, but, you know, I just, that was ridiculous. How could you not love that guy? Yeah, I don't know how you could have a hate for him at all whatsoever. Great um, Kentucky just decided not to show up. And I said that there was possibility that they had a chance of winning that game if their styles decided to come together. And, you know, but also said that it, with it being in Neyland and with the confidence that that team was rolling with, it was going to be extremely difficult for them to win that game. Um, that part was right. The, the the matchups make fights part was absolutely incorrect. Um, oh, Georgia beat Florida. I mean, I feel like it's a formality now. We haven't lost it in almost five years, oh, <laughs> three years now, so. Um, I feel like I haven't been able to like actually I haven't been able to like thoroughly enjoy that game in like three or four years, just genuinely because it's been such like ugly performances from Florida. The uh, actually no 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 that's not true because I definitely enjoyed them beating them a couple of years ago and I think getting McIlwain fired. So that was obviously you know the, the more of enjoyment because of what happened after than what happened before. Um, you know I met Jim McIlwain once. Did I tell you guys that story? Were you we'll save shark? it for we'll save it for another time. Sorry. Were you the shark that he was on? <laughs> no, but I will I think, say I after me meeting him, I did not immediately dismiss that shark as not being, or, you know, <laughs> that picture is not being. <laughs> oh, uh, um, once again, uh, Marcus Freeman continues to dispel the narrative that he has any problems at Notre Dame. Every time like Notre Dame's like, are you sure he's the right guy? He goes out and does something like beat the brakes off of Syracuse. We talked about them not losing to Clemson twice. They absolutely did. Um, and for the second week in a row, I sat there scratching my head at Sean Tucker not getting the football. Um, Dino Babers, do we have a saying in, in, the, in the NFL in the football world? Don't get cute. You've gotten extremely cute the last couple of weeks, um, and much to your detriment. Um, let's see. Anything? Oh, how about NC State finding a way to win? Uh, that game kind of went completely under the radar because it was on Thursday night, um, and obviously Thursday night football sometimes is allotted for, is more you know allotted for the NFL. But that performance. To come back down, I think they were down, I think it was 21 to three or 21 to six, with you know a backup quarterback, obviously, was impressive to say the least. Um, they do it at home. Being uh, at, at that time was just a scrappy Virginia Tech team, just you know, and just willing their 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 way to win, especially on the defensive end. You know, they shut down, um, shut them completely down in the second half, Virginia Tech that is. So yeah, I'm I'm you know extremely happy for them in that. And then TCU. They're the last remaining fraud team. They continue every week to be fraudulent, but figure out a way to win games. I don't see, I don't know how they're doing it. It's extremely impressive. Uh, you know, they they go down and they give up 31 points to a, a West Virginia team that you know struggled mightily to put up 31, that put up 10 points the week prior to Texas Tech. So, like, 
TCU, I'm just waiting for you to fall off at this point. Like, it's somewhere going to be. I'm hoping it's to, to Scott's Texas in two weeks because that would make the Big 12 actually extremely interesting. Uh, it would make it to where TCU or Kansas lost another ball game that – or, excuse me, Kansas State or TCU lost another ball game. There'd be a possibility that you have a, a, a tie atop the, the Big 12, which would just be hilarious. Because um, right now, what, we've got Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas all with two losses. So, listen. TCU continues to find ways to win. They're the last of the fraudulent teams that are on my list. So if you're a TCU fan, continue to flick off your uh, radios as you listen to me here. I get it. I understand. But let's but listen. I think you guys are a fraudulent ball club. But you continue to win, so I'll continue to shut up and talk about you guys win. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Umong, and, and my apologies, Kyle, if I mispronounce your last name, but the co-host of the uh, Statistically Speaking podcast, which they were kind enough to have me on a couple of weeks ago. Big Texas fan. Uh, I, I was scrolling through Twitter before we started recording and, and saw uh, him him make mention, paraphrasing something along the lines of, uh, you know, TCU is just a, a loss from Texas away from a spot in that top four for the playoff rankings. Like that's yeah. that's really uh, that that's what is eventually going to get the committee's attention is just that loss to to Texas, that quality loss. So, yeah. It, who was the. Um... I, I cannot remember his name. The the Ohio State kid that went crazy this week. Uh, uh, tr- oh, oh to uh, to Amato. Is yeah. that how you say it? I think so. Yes, a former uh, five star D line. Yeah, he was like the number one recruit, Huge right? Or, or like a, a, a number five, mm-hmm. top five recruit. I just started thinking like to Malau. To Malau, thank you. Yes. Uh, I just started thinking about the Heisman odds and stuff like that. I mean, I know he hasn't done this every single week, but like. I don't know. This would be the year. Hendon Hooker is number one, right? He's by far number yeah, one. Yeah, I think right? he's. I think he's the betting favorite now. I honestly haven't really checked. Uh, Who would be two? Stroud's up there. Stroud's up there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Stroud's but good. But remember, this time last year, nobody was talking about Hutchinson, and he ended yeah. up being the runner-up. So if if uh, Tumalau, you know, has a, a couple of more Ooh. huge games, uh, maybe he does get in that conversation. I thought Will Anderson would be in it by now, but. Sure. Um, I've seen some interesting things about uh, you know, there's some some stories written and and I know Kirby Smart made some uh, comments, uh, you know, just talking about how pass rushers are, are at such a disadvantage in college football right now just because they're basically getting schemed out of, you know, making big plays. Sure. Um, the ball comes out so quickly. And, and I think that's something that's that's uh, happened to Will Anderson. But. You know, we'll see. You, you can scheme time. up. You can scheme up as much as you want for guys like Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. You know, if you're in that category, there's no scheming against you. I mean, well, Miles yeah, Garrett right, right. did it single-handedly <laughs> uh, on Thursday night football at the pro level against. I mean, he just made Jonah Williams uh, look ridiculous. So, and also, uh, did, did you see that spin move he hit on him mm-hmm. last night? My mm-hmm. lord, that was unbelievable. Who is that? Yeah, yeah. These are professional football players that get paid, you know, there are more than NIL. Yeah, money. Huh. Yeah, yeah. They, there's a whole nother level after college. Uh, huh. I don't know if you knew that, but let's get to the CFP uh, uh, playoff rankings. They just dropped. I mean, we're talking five minutes before we started this show. Uh, five minutes before we got on here, and then we had 30 minutes of preamble, and then the show, of course. <laughs> that's uh, what we do. That's my fault. Um, Sorry, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Nick derailed us like he always does. Uh, always nice. Nick's fault. That's what I say. Uh, number one is Tennessee. 
I know there's a lot of uh, opinions on that. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Clemson. Right outside the top four, that would be the playoff teams. Number five is Michigan. Number six is Alabama. Number seven is TCU. Number eight is Oregon. USC is nine, and LSU is in the top ten here, which uh, I was legit a surprise to me. Um, let's just randomly pick a person. Let's say Xavier start this. Who, uh, by the way, is in a uh, now a white shirt with red lettering, uh, right? Branded in an Atlanta-based uh, soft drink company. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so just who, for the who for could the that have been? Not sure. I'm not sure people will figure that out. But uh, yeah, uh, you you were in orange and black, not anymore. After we discussed that, uh, <laughs> make sure we preface that statement. It was a Baltimore Orioles shirt, everybody. Yeah, yeah. If you guys missed that, uh, Xavier has worked for the Orioles before. So uh, you know, j- just uh, you were upset by the CFP rankings to start here, Xavier. Of course. These will be wildly changed uh, by the time we actually get to the playoff because uh, number one and number three are playing each other this week. So um, what did you think about the initial playoff rankings, Xavier? Gross. I mean, I, I wanted to be as bluntly as possible. Gross. I, it's disgusting work. First and foremost, let's start with the top, with the number one team in the country. Those guys that play up there in Knoxville. <laughs> That that's that's sweet. That's that's a cute way of setting up a one versus three matchup this weekend. Um, now I understand that the teams that they've beaten, I understand that they've done so, but we'll get to one of the teams that they beat and why I think that's complete malarkey as to why they're even that high. That <laughs> also add, it adds to their resume, um, right? You know, this just feels this this feel they they beat Kentucky this week, which felt like the equivalent of when. Uh, Bama beats up on Mississippi State. That just ha- so happens to be ranked twenty-five. Like we, we don't we don't care about that when it's that, but when we care about them beating a ranked Kentucky team, like Kentucky deserved to be ranked. Regardless, um, you know I think that they're they're drinking the Alabama Kool Aid. You beat an Alabama team by three at home. Congratulations. I'm not impressed. I was not impressed by that win in the slightest. You look at any other game. Hold on. How can you not be impressed by a win over Alabama? Because Alabama had beat them like 15 years in a row, dude. That's a huge win. I don't care about my three points. Alabama shouldn't have beat y'all. And by y'all, I mean Texas. Because the referees were in their favor. And if they hadn't had that, Alabama would have ranked like 18. First of all, first of all. Uh, let's stop with the referees. No, referee. yeah, it's I mean, true. what are you? What are you a Seahawks no. fan now? No, it's, Come it's, on, it's, like, it's, I don't, I don't want to hear about the refs ever. If the refs beat you, you put yourself in the position to let uh, the refs. Beat you. Like that that is that is yeah yeah whatever. Whatever. That, no, that, that that's no. someone who who uh, enjoyed Super Bowl Forty a lot. I will never uh, blame the referees, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the referees I, I, can, can never catch blame from me, even with uh, you know uh, all of that stuff. But uh, I mean. Um, and by the way, the referees called 16 penalties on Alabama and like the three on Texas. Soba missed a so. clear safety that changes the entire complexion of that ball game. Let's not do it's, this. It's a hard yeah. job. They miss calls in every game. As <laughs> things happen, it's a hard they, job. They miss Announcers games. They make miss mistakes. Calls in, we make mistakes every single game. I am not going to blame them 
for their mistakes. Oh Give me a break. That was no, an I'm... enormous win. Stop. R- that. Regardless, no, I wasn't impressed by the win. I'm, I'm going to be honest and uh, blunt about it. This is not a good Alabama team. I don't care what anybody says. I've been saying this since the summer. They are not a good team. Their receiving core is below average of what Alabama has produced in the last decade. Their corner room looks like poop. It has for the last 16 games. Look at this. The secondary is awful. There's not even a single guy in that secondary right now that you can tell me goes in the first two rounds of this year's draft. Their front four is Will Anderson and Co. Like, let's not talk about this, really. They're, they're hoping that Henry Toto does the job in the middle. The guy's 5'11 and a buck 85 wet. Like, let's not do this about Alabama's team this year when we're talking about a team that's lost so much talent over the last couple of years and was only in top five because it's Bama. Come on, guys. Let's not do this. Do you have any other issues with any of the other rankings here? Let's talk about LSU being at 10. How? The only reason why I went down to 10 is right here. This is the only reason. (laughs) Ridiculous. And it helps out Tennessee because they're at 10. It looks like it makes that win look extremely impressive, which regardless, shutting out an, uh, an SEC team is impressive. Don't get me wrong. But to have them at 10 is wild in my personal opinion, because LSU has not played like a top 10 team yet. They beat the 11th ranked team. Ole Miss should be 11. I don't think Ole Miss should be replaced with uh, Oregon State there at 23. Like, <laughs> Who has two losses? Yeah, okay. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> you know that for you know that since the beginning of the year. I think they're the most fraudulent team in this list outside of TCU. So let's yeah, like how, LSU. First off. UCLA and Ole Miss keeping 11 and 12 in front of the Kansas State team that just did what they did to Oklahoma State is rather reckless to me. Um, Utah being 14 is whatever you want to call it. North Carolina being the head of both Wake Forest and NC State. I understand it now after Wake Forest's current loss. Um, but, you know, this this got to be the first time the ACC has had five teams in the CFP this late in the year in a while. Uh, I don't know if that if that talks about the, the ACC being a better pro, uh, product this year or, or more people are paying attention to what the ACC is um, this year as well. So that's actually a big kudos to them because, like I said, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that five teams in the college football playoff top 25 for them has got to be a record um, this late, you know, at, at this point in the year. It's typically like maybe three at most. Uh, shout out to Texas getting the 24. Um, this, this is a team that underrated. That didn't let themselves fall off of a cliff. Um, Seventh in our power rankings. Top team in the Big 12. That's not surprising. That's not too (laughs) surprising. Um, And lastly but not leastly, Tulane being a 19. AAC, I have family that graduated from Tulane. Tulane runs deep in in my family's bloodline. So shout out to them. Continue to win games. It's going to set up one heck of a matchup if them and UCF keep winning uh, for one heck of a championship. You might have the first ranked on ranked AAC championship. Whereas Houston ranked last year going into it? I'm pretty sure they were. So maybe back-to-back years of having a ranked versus ranked AAC championship, which would be great. Could be. I, I seem to remember our uh, Tulane uh, preview. And they obviously, you know, coming off a 10-loss season, right? Uh, and I charted a, a path for them to the AAC championship. And I was scoffed at, if memory serves. But uh, but here we are. So good to, good to see success. I mean, do, do we are, are we talking about uh, past predictions? Hey, I'm just you know, I, I'm in a mood, I guess tonight. I'm pulling out some. Uh, mm-hmm. I was right. Chef <laughs> Sims. <laughs> I just had something in my throat there. Um, USF predictions have been pretty off 
<laughs> oh yeah well, there's oh, plenty Lordy. we can punch holes in oh, yeah. oh absolutely yeah this is uh yeah right right 100 uh, uh, you know what, what, what about a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while that's right broken clocks right twice a day all that good stuff um what about the injuries that happened this week what were the ones that uh you know all injuries are bad of course but which one stood out to you Nick? Uh, well i mean we were halfway through the 330 eastern window and I had like a dozen quarterbacks listed on our injury updates, it seemed. I mean, uh, Phil Dracovic at Boston College, which they've just, I mean, yeah. disastrous season. And and he's hurt now. Uh, you know, Jeff Sims didn't play. Sounds like he's going to have an opportunity to come back uh, this week. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami did not play. Also sounds he's, you know, like he's in the mix. Uh, Ty Lavatai, uh, quarterback at Navy, is out for the year. Casey Thompson had a hand injury that, uh, he was taken out of the game, couldn't return. Spencer Sanders came out. He's been banged up all year. Preston Stone finally looked like he maybe, you know, was going to take over as starting quarterback at SMU. I know a lot of folks uh, in the CFF community have been waiting on that, but uh, he unfortunately suffered a, a collarbone injury that's going to cost him the rest of the season. Garrett Schrader in that loss to Notre Dame, low body injury, didn't play at all in the second half. Um, Toledo, you know, without Daquan Finn, last week um john rice Plumley went down couldn't return questionable this week i mean so many quarterbacks uh but obviously we were missing some big time receivers jordan addison didn't play jackson smith and jigba didn't play might not again for a little while it's just it's, it's really unfortunate we talked about i mean nolan smith george's uh you know one of their very best players uh starting linebacker experienced guy um gonna be out for the year with a uh I believe it's a pectoral injury uh, suffered last week uh, against Florida. So just really unfortunate that some of these guys, you know, uh, have, have had season ending injuries. Some of them like, you know, Nolan Smith, I'm sure now uh, his, I, I would expect unless there's maybe some chance he could get back for a, a championship game, uh, but probably not. It doesn't sound like it. Um you know, his attention is going to turn to the NFL draft. So we've seen the last of him on a, a college you know, football field, which is which is always a bit sad. But um, just, you know, too many injuries and uh, hate to see it. But, you know, one of the things that we do is, is try to uh, keep track of these best we can. We're certainly not perfect, but um, that I think is part of the reason why our projections have improved over the course of the season uh, in most of our history is because we do you know pay attention to this stuff and, and try to take it into account best we can yeah and you know the later in the year we get uh the more injuries are going to crop up because a lot of guys play through things you know uh they get banged up they get nicked up whatever it is they they maybe they'll miss a week maybe they'll come back and play you know maybe they get hurt going into a bye or something but they'll drag it around for a little bit before it finally gets to the point where they can't play. So you start seeing guys drop more and more. And I kind of think that's what we're getting to. Also, weather's going to get bad. We're going to get more illnesses, right? We're going to get more. There's a nasty flu going around uh, right now. I know in all kinds of places. Plus, uh, you know, COVID is still around. It didn't go anywhere. So, um, you know, we're going to start having random guys miss games too. So it's just, it, it gets, uh, speaking of poking holes and things, it gets weird. Uh, the colder it gets and the deeper we get into the season, the stranger, uh, the season seems to get. So, uh, let's go in to week 10. We are in the double digit gentlemen. 
I mean, I, I I cannot believe we're already here. I feel like I say this every week, but this year particularly is going by insanely fast. Flying, yeah, flying we are flying through. And I and I did read something the other day, Nick, which you'll be uh, happy to hear is, um, just because the older you get, it's we uh, we start to see time differently. I, I guess it. yeah. it's like a real cognitive thing that happens to uh people so these years yep. are going to start going faster and faster towards the end here been, so been, been um feeling it. Yikes. Feeling it. Yeah. yeah yeah that's a so, yeah that's that's some fun some, thought, something right? to you know just sit with here um, yeah 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 exactly. Tuesday night as we're... that's right <laughs> why, why i'm on instagram so much keep that brain busy you know uh let's start out with number one georgia against uh or excuse me number one tennessee Versus number three, Georgia. Uh, uh, Georgia is the uh, consensus eight and a half point favorite. We have it right in line there, a little bit less than that. So I guess we'd be officially be on Tennessee, but right on that number. 65 and a half is the total. We got it almost 10 points lower than that. We are, uh, we tend to be on some That's unders a theme. here. There's always a theme. There's always right. something that everything, everything the theme this week is under. Right. Unders. Which That's hey, right. first week in November, like you mentioned, the weather's changing. I, you know, don't hate that quite as much as I would if we were on every single over. Uh, but yeah, so we're on like 90% unders this week. So expect us to go 10 and 51 or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, what do you think, Nick? I mean, uh, Georgia, Tennessee um, could be the biggest game of the year. Ohio State, uh, Michigan, obviously will be another enormous one. Uh, so what do you think of this game uh, here? Number one versus number three, Georgia, Tennessee. You know, quite honestly, this is one that I'm just really looking forward to sitting back and watching uh, because Georgia has, you know, obviously coming off a special season last season, uh, I was not super optimistic. I thought we would see a step back quite honestly, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Yet Georgia has had some significant injuries. I mean, not only Nolan Smith they'll be playing without, but Jalen Carter has been in and out of the lineup the last month or so. Um, they're really young on defense still, but playing like a top 10 defense, number one rushing defense in the country in our team performance ratings, number seven against the pass, number seven overall defensively. And, you know, going to be a tough test. We thought Kentucky was going to, test Tennessee last week. Obviously it did not work out that way. I would expect Georgia to, to, you know, be a tougher test, but on the other side of things, Tennessee has been uh, playing just at a, a really, really high level offensively that it's, it's difficult to imagine somebody stopping them right now. I mean, Hendon Hooker, we talked about earlier. I, I don't know if this was before the show or not, uh, but uh, believe is the betting favorite, you know, to win the Heisman Trophy now. Um, they're they're uh, number six overall in our offensive team performance, number three passing offense. They did a lot of that with Cedric Tillman on the sideline. He's back and healthy and, and ready to contribute again. Jalen Hyatt just absolutely exploded uh, with Tillman on the sidelines. But now, you know, that one-two punch, and then we've seen, you know, guys like Princeton Fant and Squirrel White, uh, you know, Brew McCoy's had some moments this year. So they're pretty deep there. They're getting uh, contributions in the running game or, you know, from running backs uh, out of the backfield, catching passes as well. But Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, I mean, offensively, 
there are not very many, you know, weak spots. The offensive line playing at a top 10 level in our O-line performance. Um, defensively, the only, you know, shaky area really is, is pass defense. I mean, they're top 20 against the run in our defensive team performance, but they're 70th against the pass. So they're, you know, in the, on the outside looking in of the top 30 in our overall defensive team performance when matching up against Georgia, who has played incredibly efficiently on offense again, two years in a row now. Uh, but Georgia's fourth in offensive team performance, number two in rushing team performance, pretty impressive because they've been banged up at the running back position. Um, they've also, you know, certainly had wide receiver injuries uh, this year. Donnie Mitchell starting wide receiver hasn't played in a while. Doesn't look like he's going to play again, but the best tight ends in the country. Uh, Brock Bowers is everything you know we thought he would be. Uh, Darnell Washington is is really blossoming, um, and guys like Lad McConkey just make catches, make plays, and and the running back group to nobody's surprise is incredibly deep with you know Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards. Um, we're, we're seeing freshmen in the mix. Uh, it's just it's been really really impressive for both teams. Our projections don't necessarily see a huge edge one way or the other. You mentioned our team strength uh, projected point spread is 8.1. That's right there. I mean, it's technically on Tennessee to cover. Our final score prediction is 32-24. But our other two models, our talent edge model, which is you know only talent numbers, uh, our position and unit ratings, our individual player ratings, roster strength, all that good stuff, um, has it within a touchdown. You know, actually inside of six points, thinks Tennessee will be able to to uh, keep up our stats only model, our, our prism model, uh, which the opposite of the talent includes only, you know, things like our team performance ratings and, and the advanced stats that go into that uh, sees Georgia as closer to a two touchdown favorite. So uh, the models don't agree. Um, the uh, traditional model, the, the official model is right in line with the odds makers. Uh, the only edge is we see an under and we're pretty much on every under, uh, which, you know, yeah, it could happen. Um, getting 65 and a half in a game that Georgia's playing in seems like a lot, but Tennessee has been really, really good. And so it'll be another case of can Tennessee dictate the pace of the game like they did against Kentucky this time last week, we said, Hey, if Tennessee covers, what's the score going to be? I don't think we said 44 to six, but I think we said like 48, 17 or something, you know, uh, and will that happen? Probably not. I would expect this to be a relatively close game. If Tennessee wins, I don't necessarily see them running away with it. Uh, but I do think this is a, a game that Tennessee could win. It is in Athens. It's going to be the toughest road test yet. It's going to be the best team Tennessee has faced, but so far this Tennessee team looks pretty good. So uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure they're my number one team. They're fifth in our power rankings. Um, but you know, this is a team I think that is capable of beating any team in the country and they're going to have an opportunity to do it on a big stage in a big road matchup. Um, and we'll see, we'll see, you know, if they're able to do it. Xavier, uh, you have changed your background for this. Uh, I see. Um, yeah, you are. You're ready for a Georgia dub. I don't know how impartial this is going to be, but your thoughts on uh, Georgia versus Tennessee? No, it's going to be extremely impartial. I, I, as much as this isn't 
22 year olds out here. I'll put it to you that way. Um, yeah, that, that would be completely impartial. Um, uh, or unimpartial, sorry. But um, I, I think this game is going to come down to one thing, and really one thing only. It's going to come down to quarterback play. Who makes the best decisions on Saturday? If Hendon Hooker plays the way he's been playing the last couple of weeks, there's nothing that George is going to be able to do. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, especially with his ability to be a mobile quarterback. This isn't one of those standstill guys. However, I will say last week, Georgia against uh, Anthony Richardson looked a lot better. However, Hendon Hooker is extremely better passing than um, Hendon Hooker is. Or uh, than Hendon Hooker is extremely better at passing than Anthony Richardson. Excuse me. Um, so if, if Georgia has learned its lessons, and this is a game for me that even though Kirby's won a national championship, it still is a barometer game for him. Has he learned his lesson when it comes to explosive offenses and mobile quarterbacks? Uh, in, in past years, I think he would have come out there with a similar scheme that Nick Saban did, which is I'm going to run man. I'm not going to run anything above that. I'm going to keep you know seven in the box, and you're going to just have to beat me outside. And we saw Alabama get torched in doing that consistently time after time again. Uh, and I think that you know we saw even in the national championship last year, Kirby got better and learned from his previous mistakes of playing some of these elite quarterbacks like they're average, like they're just college kids. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at him. I'm not looking at him to uh, be perfect in this game, Kirby. That is, but I'm looking at him to learn from his previous mistakes in games like this, uh, where he's played Bryce Youngs in the past, and, and now has one notch on his belt against an elite quarterback with great outside talent, but also has the ability to use his legs. Uh, so. With especially with a young defense, the one thing that's not young about this defense is the secondary. You've got to step up. You've got to. Christopher Smith, uh, Keely Ringo, uh, those guys have got to play up to their potential. Keely's going to be on Jalen Hyatt all night. They're going to match speed with speed. Uh, Christopher Smith is probably going to be lined up um, across, you know, uh, their slot corner. Um, and then the young guys, Malachi Starks, are going to have to do their job on the back end, right? Uh, the one thing I will say about this team in, in Tennessee is that I haven't seen them run the football effectively yet, and, and that's my one concern for Tennessee coming into this game. It's on the road, especially against a Georgia team that has shown the ability this year to get pressure. They're not getting sacks. Like, they're not getting sacks, but they're still one of the better teams in the country at getting pressure on a consistent basis, even with the guys that they have. For them, for if they're going to get pressure on Hendon, the last time we've really seen him under pressure like this was against Pitt. Pitt. Now, I bring that game up a lot, but that's genuinely the last, like, good defensive performance that they've played against, in my opinion. Florida did some of it, too. Um, Alabama did it a, a little bit as well. Obviously, one of them leading to a turnover. But I want to see what Hinden Hooker does when he's knocked off of his spot. Now, he's made all the right decisions up until this point. Some of them have been easier than others, all right? Jalen Hyatt was just wide open in the Tennessee, in, in the Alabama game. Uh, but I want to see what he does this week when he sees pressure against the front four that sits seven and eight behind the ball. Because I believe Kirby's going to do that. He's going to sit seven behind the ball, dare them to run the football. He's going to probably use Smile Monday or Smile Monday, excuse me, as a spy on Hendy Hooker all game, similarly to what they did to Robbie Ashford, similarly to what they did this week to Anthony Richardson. They're going to force him to be a runner first and a passer second. Um, and they're going to force him, like I talked about in the Kentucky game, but Georgia has the dogs and the horses to do it. They're going to force him to go methodical. Seven, eight, nine play drives. Your one-hitter quitters are just not going to be something that they're going to allow on a consistent basis. I want to see how Hendon Hooker does under that perspective. On the flip side, Stetson, you've won a national championship. You've done exceedingly better than anybody ever expected for you to do at your time in Georgia. I'm still waiting for him to have 
outside of the Oregon game this year, I think he has yet to have a flawless performance. I'm waiting to see if he does it this week. Uh, I think the one thing about Georgia last week is I think they even overlooked Florida a bit. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but they played a very sloppy game. It wasn't good from them whatsoever. Uh, which First is, half was real bad. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, second half they blew the lead uh, totally. So right, you know, they they the twenty eight to three lead turned into twenty eight to twenty really quickly. Uh, due to three turnovers, two picks, and a fumble. So you know, you look at what Georgia did last week, and you go, if they got it out of their system, great. If they think they're gonna, that's going to work against Tennessee, it's just not. Uh, you're not going to be able to turn the ball over in short field like you did against them, and, and hope to settle, uh, hope to hold them to three points. You're going to have to put together drives like you did last week. And the one thing I have seen from them. And maybe, and this is no uh, slight uh, slight to him, but ever since Kendall Milton left the lineup, and you've seen the emergence of Dejan Edwards, you've seen the emergence of Kenny McIntosh, the running game looks better. It has looked extremely good uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, they've they've gotten back to that a lot of zone run scheme, a lot of running out of the shotgun, making the making the defense make a decision on whether it's going to be Stetson keeping it or Dejanet or one of the running backs keeping it. And Edwards and Kenny McIntosh may not be the most elite running backs to ever be at Georgia, but they do the right thing seemingly every time. They always fall forward. They break multiple tackles. And where they may not be a Nick Chubb or DeAndre Swift or even a Sony Michelle, they make the right moves and they and they end some and they always end up four or five yards on every play. And that's where Tennessee for me is weak. And I know that they're going to be talking about that all week. So maybe they come out playing a little bit better on the run in the run game, but they were awful in the in the run game against Alabama when Alabama needed it. Uh, the only thing that they've been leaning on so far, and this is the huge answer I have for Tennessee. What happens if Georgia goes out and goes 14 nothing in the first two drives? You that's a Tennessee defense that has yet to have to play from behind consistently. And what happens if they cannot lean on their offense? Like, what happens if that defense has to now get stops? That's my only question for them because they haven't had to do that in what four and a half, four in about three to four weeks. Uh, where their de- where their offense wasn't just making it a boat race, and you know Tennessee's defense, to its credit, looked really good against Kentucky this week. But Kentucky's not a, a, an offensive team I would you know show to anybody as a barometer for, for what college football could be. Uh, so I think I'm I'm extremely excited for this game. I think you know this is and this this is gonna sound very Alabama of me as a fan, and I don't like it. Got too much Georgia. Yeah, just a little bit. I would. This is one of those games that you get up for because it's a ranked versus ranked. I haven't had this kind of fervor for a game since probably playing Oregon in week one. I was talking with this with a bunch of other friends of mine who are Georgia alumni, and they were talking about how now it kind of almost feels like a formality when you're about to that you're going to win games. And the only time it doesn't feel like a formality is when you're clearly losing a ball game. Uh, but unless you're playing like a, an equal team, now it feels exciting. You know, growing up, every game for Georgia felt exciting because you didn't know they were going to lose. But, you know, now you're like, ah, Florida, just another week. Yeah, <laughs> Kentucky, just another week. Nah, South Carolina. I'm, Steve Spurrier's not coming out that tunnel. So, like, now you feel like it's one of those games that you're getting up for. And thank you, CFP, because you just gave Kirby Smart all the bulletin material he needs. Every single bit of it. You can only imagine. I can't wait for those kids to walk into the uh, the locker room tomorrow. I guarantee you it's going to have Tennessee number one. It's plastered all over it. And I guarantee you there's a soundbite that comes from Kirby after this week where he's absolutely laying into the players about being physically the best team on the field. So I got Georgia winning this game. I think home field advantage is going to, is going to lean into this a lot as well. I said this before this, before the, this week even began. I said if this was in Neyland, it might be a whole different ballgame. Uh, but with it being at Sanford, uh, you know, Tennessee always plays as close. 
uh, or typically plays us worse at Sanford um, outside of the Hail Mary game a couple of years ago. So I, I'm looking to see whether or not, and we talked about this with Bryce Young going having to go to Neyland. Tennessee hasn't had a true road game in what? Four weeks. This will be or in three weeks, and it was at LSU. So I'm expect I'm, I'm excited to see what this looks like. I'm excited to see what this looks like and what they are able to do against a Tennessee uh, against a Georgia defense that doesn't have necessarily the names, but has a lot of talent. It's just young, very very young. Let me just say, if you're annoyed by the Tennessee is 2019 LSU comparisons, now if they beat Georgia. It's yeah, but, all yeah. you're gonna hear yeah. all the way <laughs> oh, through the night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. they I mean their schedule after this. I mean, they, they have to play three out of four on the road, but who would it, they have to play in hard. the SEC title game? I mean, Christ, it would be Bama Alabama. or if LSU uh, wins, they're it'd still be Bama or LSU. Yeah. Uh well, but Bama, LSU or Mississippi in some weird scenario. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh they get Missouri at home at South Carolina at Vanderbilt. We've got them double-digit favorites on all those, so uh, it, it's it's looking like eleven and one. This one and then smooth sailing, right? Is maybe yeah. the most yeah, likely. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, whoever wins this ball game, I believe it's pretty smooth. I think Georgia has Mississippi State left, which might be a little bit. Of a That's going to be a little bit of a tough one. Yeah, because yeah, it's in Las Vegas, uh, and then Kentucky the week after that. So they've got a they've got a harder road to get there. But I mean, listen. Depending on the winner of this game, that's now, why Tennessee now, is number one, Xavier, because they've already played the hard teams. In their <laughs> Except for this one, just twisted a little, yeah, yeah, a little, little more. Four losses, but we'll look back and go. Nah, it's he's, he's still talking about it. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to another game, Xavier. We're moving on. Okay, uh, you're good. Mute yourself. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna go to number six, Alabama, hosting number ten, LSU. Another good game here. Uh, the uh, official line here is, uh, or excuse me, uh, Bama's on the road against LSU. Uh, the official line here is Bama by twelve and a half. We have it a little bit uh, lighter than that. Alabama by just over uh, nine, I believe. Oh, good Lord. I need glasses. Uh, you also need to make this bigger. Here, Nick, come on. Uh, but uh, And then the total is 58 and a half. Of course, once again, we're under that total. Uh, Nick, tell me about uh, Bama versus LSU. How do you see this game going here? Uh, well, this is familiar territory for us where, you know, there's a, a, a pretty big uh point spread out there the the odds makers set it at, at double digits close to two touchdowns and we're just not really able to get there because LSU ranks really really high in our uh roster strength numbers um they you know are top 10 roster in the country number eight in overall roster strength top four they are they are number four defensively so you know even though this has been a uh, somewhat mediocre uh, defense, probably putting it you know pretty nicely, has, has had some ugly results at times against the pass, uh, given up a lot of big plays at times. Um, but, you know, they rank 40th in, in defensive team performance, 50th against the pass, 53rd against the run. That's not necessarily a great matchup, though the talent is there, at least according to, to how we calculate it. Offensively, things have been better. Top 20 on offense and in, in team performance. Top 20 rushing attack, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, there you know, are some really highly rated 
running backs on this roster. John Emery, Noah Kane, um, you know, Imani Goodwin is, is getting back and healthy. Uh, but Josh Williams, the former walk-on and, you know, low, low, low three-star, maybe maybe a two-star recruit coming out of high school, uh, has been the guy that, you know, has has been the most productive and, and seems to be maybe the most trusted guy. So uh, also, of course, Jaden Daniels plays a big part in that. He has been a weapon on the ground, which we've known he's been able to do. But um, we've seen, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like I've seen some promise uh, in the passing attack at times as well. I mean, Malik Neighbors has had uh, a couple of nice games and, and Keishon Butte got involved uh, much more in recent weeks than he you know, was earlier in the season. So things seem to be, um, you know, improving. And and this LSU team seems like it has come a, a pretty far uh, way from how they looked that opening, what was it, Monday night, Sunday night uh, against Florida State, um, where they had a loss that, that looked pretty bad at the time. So um, not all the numbers are sparkling. I mean, they're, they're not elite at, at really anything um, that we calculate. I mean, top, you know, top 10, they're eighth, I think, in, in uh, PPA per play, uh, predicted points added per play, according to collegefootballdata.com. So, you know, that that's a that's a solid number, but we're seeing a lot of things in the 40s success rate, right? Uh, 54th in points per drive allowed, 68th in yards per play allowed. So, they're not elite in, in any uh, one particular category, and it's hard, honestly, for me to envision a team uh, like this really being able to knock off Alabama. I know Alabama has looked beatable. You know, Xavier's already mentioned uh, some of the the really ugly things that we've seen from uh, the past defense. But you know, quite honestly, at least statistically speaking, um, and I know you know some people don't necessarily trust that or, or, you know, certainly they're, uh, it, it's not perfect, but Alabama ranks sixth in our defensive team performance numbers against the pass. They rank sixth in overall defense, number five against the run. So it's, it's obviously, I mean, to no one's surprise, the number one rated defense and roster strength, Alabama ranks number one in roster strength across its entire roster, defending Heisman trophy winner and Bryce Young, Jamar Gibbs, one of my absolute favorite players in college football to watch. Um, the receiving core, yeah, I mean, you know, as Xavier mentioned, is is not uh, super explosive right now, doesn't have those, you know, it looks like maybe don't, doesn't have that uh, first-round pick or a couple of first-round picks that we got used to seeing recently. Um, and then the offensive line has struggled. I mean, 75th in our O-line performance numbers, uh, they've had some injuries up front as well. So there, if you squint, are some things like maybe that really talented LSU front seven might might be able to pressure Bryce Young a little bit. But he's so good under pressure that, you know, is that a concern? Not sure. Uh, Alabama has been really banged up on the defensive line, especially, I mean, both uh, their top two nose guards in our team profiles and our, our uh, projected depth charts um, are dealing with injuries and, you know, maybe limited. They had uh, uh, one of their most experienced defensive linemen, Justin uh, Ebagi. My apologies, Justin, if I, I mispronounce your name, uh, but is out for the season. And, and so they're, you know, 
they're a little thin up front, at least as far as some of that depth that we're used to seeing. So maybe that LSU rushing attack and Jaden Daniels are, are going to be able to uh, do some damage on the ground. We, we, we shall see. I can try to talk myself into it, but this just feels a little like the Mississippi State game a couple of weeks ago. Might not be quite as lopsided, but it, it's that spot that our numbers are are – very familiar with of, Hey, this is a team that looks like on paper should be able to hang with Alabama enough to cover, but Alabama just, you know, suffocates its opponent and, and ends up uh, getting some big plays in the second half and pulling away. And, and that's what it feels like to me. The numbers don't suggest that our official projection you mentioned is uh, nine and a half right around there. The talent edge is seven and a half. The stats only model is the closest uh, to the uh, odds makers, and that's at you know eleven and three quarters. So even that model is is uh, expecting LSU to um, give Alabama a game, and and you know night game in Death Valley. It, uh, stranger things have happened, um, but I just I'm not ready to to buy in quite yet. I, I don't think that that LSU is quite as explosive. At least we certainly haven't seen it. Uh, as Tennessee, so I'm not sure they're going to be able to just to, you know, stretch the field like Tennessee was able to do. Um, and as you know, the the running game grades out pretty well. looks looks good uh, right now statistically, but I kind of trust that Alabama defense um, to be able to, to even with the banged up, you know, defensive line uh, to be able to give LSU some problems up front. So we'll see. I'll kind of believe it when I see it, though our numbers do think that that LSU can be competitive and, and uh, potentially cover. Xavier, uh, what do you think? Do you think that LSU can be competitive and cover? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is an LSU team that has hit its stride in the second half of the season, offensively in particular. Defensively, now they are – I think this is going to be a shootout. Don't, don't get it twisted. I think this game ends much like the Tennessee – much like their game against Florida did. Uh, where they was 45-35 in that game. I think they come out the losers in this one, though. But I think it's going to be a shootout. I don't think LSU's defense has shown me enough in the last few weeks um, that, that makes me think that this team has made the jump defensively. But offensively, Jaden Daniels has hit a stride. Um, and more importantly, he has hit an absolute connection with his receiving core that just wasn't there at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, in the, at the beginning of the year, he was a runner first, uh, didn't have any confidence in his receiving core, didn't have any confidence in himself getting the ball to them. Uh, but over the last couple of weeks, you've seen – a clear leap in confidence with them um, as a unit. Um, just, you know, I mean, heck, the first touchdown LSU threw was, I mean, he just throws it up there. It's like, go get it. Uh, and he can, you know, his receiver comes back to the ball and makes a hell of a catch. So that, that if that, you know, if that says anything, that, that shows you that Jane Daniels believes in his guys that they're going to go make the play better and that they're better than the guy across from them. Um, on top of that, their running game has always been a part of their game since week one. Uh, but you're seeing it more now because Jim Daniels does feel more comfortable in the pocket as well. Um, like I told you guys the other week, I think he's having somewhat of a, of a Joe Burrow kind of first year at LSU, uh, which was all over the place, seemingly like four weeks in. Then that team finished nine and three. Um, you know, and I think that that's very, you know, he in himself has, you know, has shown immense confidence since that week one loss to Florida State. Um, and even bouncing back from the Tennessee loss. Hey, you lose to Tennessee, get blown the doors off of you at home. And then you go beat Florida on the road and then go beat a ranked Mississippi team the very next week. That's very impressive from them. And Brian Kelly keeping that team together. I don't think that they win this game against Alabama. I think they just have too many horses. And Alabama will figure it out at some point. I'm still waiting for Will Anderson to have his quote-unquote game. But at some point, he's going to have it. Like, 
Will Anderson is too talented of a guy to not have a game where he shuts down an offense by himself. Um, and I'm waiting for that, you know, two and a half sack or three sack, you know, seven pressure game where he just, you know, runs over an offensive line. I think it might be this game against LSU, who, to their credit, offensively has looked better. But Jane Daniels has still had to do a ton of running in that time period. Um, and I think they'll finish nine and three LSU. I think they'll lose this game to Bama. Then they'll be Arkansas, be UAB, be A&M. And they finish nine and three. Uh, so for what was a tumultuous looking season, especially after the Florida State loss, you know, it, it finishes right around what I thought they would be this year was, which is eight and four, nine and three ball club. So give me Alabama to win this game. Alabama still understands there's bigger fish to fry, but this doesn't, this does huge for them. The next two weeks for them, honestly, and this is the, the, the most ridiculous thing for them. The next two weeks could genuinely have them sitting four. In the in the college football playoff, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue against that. Like they're gonna they could they, if they beat the doors off of LSU and beat the doors off of Mississippi, being 15 and 11 in the next two weeks, wouldn't be surprised on the road them. for both. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if Alabama was sitting right there at four. Like, hi guys, we didn't go anywhere. So, like, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is their blueprint. Like, their blueprint always is still intact, even when they have a midseason loss. Their losses are always, in my opinion, too early unless they lose to Auburn. But other than that, the loss is always too early because they typically pay, play two to three ranked teams to finish the year off. Typically, one of those is including Auburn, not this year, but you've got the rise of LSU, you've got the rise of Mississippi to help them out in this case. That's oh, me. yeah. We He's didn't right behind mention, me. by the way, sorry, that <laughs> Auburn, first mentioned here, fired Brian Harson. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we didn't even, you know. Look, I, I, bring I, it up. a couple things with that. Number one, it's old news. It was yesterday, right? Uh, okay. Uh, and, well, it was and, official yesterday. It was unofficial. Yeah. Uh, no, number two is that we have been expecting this for a very long time, I think. So, yes. Understand. Uh, uh, Brian Harson fired at Auburn. I mean, we were all questioning why you would let him keep the job when he fired literally everyone under him. It was the same thing with Matt rule with the Panthers, right? They made him fire future both Auburn of his coordinators. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Future, future Auburn. Auburn coach. Uh, I mean, <laughs> very well could be, but they made him fire everybody. And it's like, well, just fire him too. Like, uh, is it really going to get better if he fired all the people he brought in close to him? And well, there then, was that whole uh, thing that when Derek Mason left, for a pay cut at Oklahoma state, which everybody was like, Ooh, that's, that's not a good sign. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, th there's, there's Plus just all so, the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> so many things, uh, that we're adding up. Like th this is maybe the least surprising, uh, head coach firing since Bobby Petrino. So, uh, I mean, just, it was clear that this was going to happen. Uh, we go over to Notre Dame hosting Clemson, Clemson, four and a half point, number four Clemson, by the way, according to CFP, uh, four and a half point favorites. We have them a little more than that, more uh, you know, closer to about six and a half. So we're going to be on Clemson here. Forty seven and a half is the total. This is one of the few that we have going over, Nick, uh, closer to 50, uh, 49 and some change here. So uh, tell me about Clemson versus Notre Dame. Uh, who do you like in this one? So this is this is a little bit of a funny line this is this is one that scratch your head a little bit because even though it's on the road even though it's in south bend uh three and a half you know that that seems a little low doesn't it or i think it got up to four and a half right that was officially but but early on it was it was even lower uh, and there was the whole thing with, you know, is, is DJ Uengale going to be replaced? Cade Klubnik came in and, and played late uh, in the Syracuse game, and then they had the, 
the bye week and you know seems like pretty perfect uh pretty perfect timing maybe to to make a change um we actually did in our projections and our team profiles include Klubnik as the co-starter so it it did bring down Clemson's uh QB numbers uh, a little bit cuz even though you know DJ Uingle has been been hot and cold uh in his career and certainly struggled last time out still ranks pretty high former five star you know has had some good moments uh but Klubnik also a five star you know but but young ranks lower um, even though Debo Sweeney said immediately after the game that DJ is our guy, uh, verbatim, uh, for Clemson, you know, we still, I, I made that choice to, to think that, that Klubnik might play. Um, even if he doesn't start, we'll see. So uh, that I, I say all that, that rambling going through that, that quarterback thing, uh, to say that, you know, tried to, to throw a little water on our Clemson ranking just a little bit or, or rating at least uh they're still sixth in our power rankings um but a solid team not a whole lot of you know major weaknesses outside of some inconsistency uh at quarterback and, and you know i guess offensively as a whole maybe leaves a little to be desired they're 60th in passing team performance they're 49th in rushing team performance uh been uh you know we've seen some great things out of will shipley lately um but they're a little bit thin uh at the running back position with kobe pace having missed the, the last few games um but you know they're they're 49th in rushing team performance eh, not great um but this is still a a tough team and a solid defense number two in defensive roster strength number 11 in defensive team performance uh the best defensive line in the country um and, you know, they've, they've been banged up in the secondary, but getting a little healthier sounds like. And, and this just seemed like Clemson is clearly a better team than Notre Dame. And, and Notre Dame bounced back in a big way last week. The, the win over Syracuse was, was good, was impressive. They won two in a row, three out of four. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing pretty well right now. Uh, go back that win against North Carolina was probably the most impressive that, that they've had. Um, but Notre Dame, kind of a weird team. I mean, they lost to Stanford. They lost to Marshall. It, it's just really difficult to kind of get a handle on Notre Dame. Drew Pine has, uh, excuse me, Pine has, has had some moments where he's looked like a uh, solid you know, he's certainly not as as dynamic as Tyler Buckner. Certainly, even on the, uh, on the ground, especially, uh, but has has done a decent job ste- stepping in. Uh, they are deep at running back. Um, Audrey Estim is is a pounding runner. Logan Diggs looks good now that he's finally healthy. Uh, Chris Tyree thought would be a little bit more productive, but uh, is a guy with great speed can make some plays out of the backfield. Michael Mayer, you know, best tight end in the country, not named Brock Bowers. Um, but don't necessarily have many weapons outside of that, uh, certainly in the uh, receiving core. The offensive line's been good, but not elite uh, top 40 in, in O-line team performance. Um, the defensive line grades out similarly, though Isaiah Foskey, who's you know edge player, we have him listed as a defensive end slash linebacker, one of the best, most productive, all-American type pass rushers in the country. 
Uh, Brandon Joseph had the you know pick six last week, got things started against Syracuse. The All-American transfer from uh, Northwestern, you know, playing up to that uh, resume. So Notre Dame has had some moments, and and you know, some units look strong on paper, others look like weaknesses. Um, they've had some disappointing performances. They've had some good performances, some some impressive wins. Uh, but even at home, this one just seems like Clemson is the better team. So uh, I was happy to see that we have Clemson expected to cover closer to a touchdown. The talent edge number thinks that Clemson's uh, you know should be about a six point, a little less than a six point favorite. The stats only model on the other hand, is more in line with the odds makers and, and actually has Notre Dame covering uh, 3.75. I've mentioned the past few weeks that I've kind of had a little more confidence in that model. Uh, it has not uh, paid off for me. It, it struggled a lot last week, uh, at least in wins and losses. Actually, the, the absolute error wasn't much different than our uh, official model, which graded out really well. Uh, so I don't know. I, you know, I, I, That makes me a tiny bit nervous. Uh, but this just seems like a game that Clemson should, should win and should win by a touchdown or more. Xavier, are you on that too? You think Clemson uh, should beat Notre Dame pretty easily here? Yeah, I feel like Clemson should dominate this game, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but Clemson has not had that uber-dominant win this year just yet for me. Um, and and that's, the, that's the only concern I have with this team. Um, there's also just like a lack of explosion about this Clemson team that you can tell. Like, they, 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 you just know if you hang around long enough, you can just be in the game versus Clemson this year, right? They're not going to hit you with like four or five, you know, touchdown passes in a row. Like, you know, under Trevor Lawrence, they feel like under Trevor Lawrence, sometimes it was just a siege of just talent, right? You know, y'all, you know, I think Alabama fans would, would you know, call, you know, second me on that. And that national championship that they win, you know, there was just every time you looked up, it was like, oh, Lawrence has found another guy and another guy and another guy. And it was like, and they, they just don't have that anymore. Now it's much more methodical. Now it's like, oh, man, Will Shipley is killing us tonight. Like he's got like, you know, 130 yards rushing on like 25 carries, um, you know, and, and that is that that feels much more like what Clemson is right now, which is not a terrible thing. But in games like this against a Notre Dame team that showed you last week a little bit against Sean Tucker against a Syracuse team that, you know, gave Clemson problems. Let's call it what it is. It gave, it gave Clemson issues. Um, they just flat out did what they wanted to do against them, right? And, and I think that when you look at it that way, you look at what this game may end up becoming, you have to think that Notre Dame's entire key to this game is just don't turn it over. Don't give them short fields. Force Clemson to go 75 yards each and every time, and we'll have a chance to win this ball game. Um, I'm expecting DJ to look better. I'm hoping that he looks better. If not, it might be his last game as the Clemson starting quarterback, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I think that's Cade's job to have if DJ's going to give it away to him, um, especially when next week you've got a Louisville team that just showed you they can beat the brakes off of a ranked opponent and is kind of licking their chops and trying to do so. Uh, so I think – and a team in Louisville has won three straight too, uh, just you know, a quick aside. Uh, but, you know, I think that when you look at this game, Clemson should dominate from start to finish. Uh, they, they should just be able to handle a, a Notre Dame team that just does not have the same horses that they do. I'm looking at that front four like I have in every game for Clemson this year to be the divide, deciding factor. Um, you know, Breesey, Murphy, uh, Simpson to be a part of that, you know, to, to once again be the deciding factor in this game and make two pines afternoon hell or, or night, excuse me, hell. So, you know, I, I think that if they're able to do that, 
um, if they're able to really give DJ short fields. That's the key with DJ. I just outside of the Wake Forest matchup, and maybe that was more Wake Forest than it was DJ. He he just has not been able to be a quarterback that was going to beat you several times, right? He'll he'll beat you once on a good drive where Will Shipley may have had three or four carries, but the idea of him beating you multiple times in a game, you kind of live with that as a defensive coordinator now. You're just like he's not going to do it. He he he's he's good, but he's not good enough, you know, to to beat you. And the scheme that they run is just it is just good enough to keep to to keep DJ from having to be a pure passing uh, quarterback the whole time. So give me Clemson, but I would not shock that at, at halftime this is like a 17-10 ball game, and Notre Dame is like right in this, you know, thinking that they could go ahead and upset Clemson. I would not be surprised in the slightest. Let's go to another ranked on ranked ACC matchup here. Wake Forest against uh, NC State. I believe that's 22 versus 21. I might have them reversed there. But the official line here would be the road Wake Forest Deacons five and a half point favorites against NC State. We have this much, much closer to even. Uh, Very, very even here. Uh, 54 and a half is the total. We're under that uh, as we are. Uh, on most of these this week. So, Nick, uh, NC State, Wake Forest. Um, I'm not that surprised that uh, Wake is the favorite here. Uh, NC State, obviously, on the uh, second QB with Leary out for the season, but he's looked all right. Well, what what are we thinking here in this game? Yeah, we're, we're almost exactly even. We do have Wake Forest favored technically by uh, two one-hundredths of a point. <laughs> um, but this is not a wrong team favored situation. Uh, it, it's, it's, I mean, did you guys catch any of that Wake Forest? Louisville, I, the, I, what was it, the second quarter or whatever? I mean, eight turnovers. Uh, it was, it was sounds just, like a Madden game. It was every time I looked up, uh, Wake Forest was, it was like sack fumble. I mean, turning the ball over. Louisville just was able to capitalize and, and, put that game away quickly, which was, you know, not exactly the same feeling as, as K-State, uh, Oklahoma State, but it was kind of like that, you know, Ron Burgundy, uh, boy, that really <laughs> escalated. I mean, it was, it was over quick after Wake Forest just couldn't, you know, couldn't take care of the football. Uh, Wake Forest is, is certainly a good team. You know, Hartman, I think, is is going to be able to bounce back. Uh, one of the best receiving cores maybe in the country. Uh, I mean, they're, they've got three big, tall, physical, playmaking wide receivers that would give any secondary trouble. A.T. Perry, you know, coming off the huge year last year. Donovan Green really flashed before he got hurt. Um, missed all of last season, but – uh, Jamal Banks is coming into his home. Uh, I remember hearing, you know, reading some practice reports, preseason 2021, kind of expecting a bit of a uh, breakout, and it never came. But then it was sort of the, you know, I'm not, I don't know if it was actually any real hype. It was me digging in, you know, uh, practice Wake Forest preseason practice reports. But it was kind of a, you know, post-hype sleeper situation where Banks really does um, – go off and and you know the last month has has uh, been maybe co number one with Perry they're they're you know just uh, giving other teams uh problems and, and you know Keyshawn Williams smaller guy 510 
been productive at times. Taylor Morin, very experienced, played a lot of football, has been productive in his career as well. So, you know, Wake Forest throwing the football. Uh, I mean, they're seventh in passing team performance offensively. Um, they can't run the ball right now, 111th. But they've got some weapons for Sam Hartman to work with. And, you know, when he's got time to operate and, and they're taking care of the football, Wake Forest can score on anybody. The offensive line does not grade well. Uh, it is an experience unit. It, it looks good in our roster strength numbers based on a lot of the experience and production it's had in the past, but they're 109th in O-line performance. Um, they suffered a potentially very serious injury on the defensive line. Rondell Bothroyd went down uh, with a lower body injury. I haven't heard a, an official update, but didn't really look good. Um, Wake Forest, it seems as always banged up defensively and, and that might be part of why they struggle at times, ranked 57th in overall defensive team performance, 73rd against the pass and 64th against the run. So, you know, NC state one, you know, we've talked plenty about their defense and again, on paper in our roster strength numbers, it's one of the best defenses, certainly most you know talented, experienced, productive defenses in the country. They rank third in defensive roster strength. They haven't played at that elite level this season. Uh, there are some good numbers, 15th in success rate against, 23rd in points per drive allowed, uh, but a lot of mediocre numbers, 69th in yards per play, uh, you know, 57th yards per pass attempt, 62nd in uh, PPA, predicted points added per play. They're playing at a top 30 level in defensive team performance, but 35th against the pass, 59th against the run. You know, maybe there's a little wiggle room there for Wake Forest. You mentioned, of course, they're playing without Devin Leary. Uh, Jack Chambers, you know, didn't didn't really do anything too special uh, in his time as starter, and that time might now be over based on what we saw out of MJ Morris last week, which was impressive. True freshman. Uh, out of Georgia coming and, and, you know, really, really stepped up. Uh, it looked like NC State was a bad offense with Jack Chambers, in my opinion. And they ranked 92nd in offensive team performance, 99th passing, 110th rushing. Uh, they've been without Demi Sumo for a little bit. The running back, uh, you know, kind of a co-starter with, with Jordan Houston. Um, but other than Thayer Thomas, they really haven't had any playmakers step up in the receiving core and haven't been able to you know really create big plays i mean they're they certainly haven't been uh, a threat downfield they're 116th in yards per pass attempt 114th in yards per play overall against against fbs opponents uh it's been a struggle but we saw i think um maybe this this offense uh have a bit of a glimmer of hope with that mg uh, excuse me mj morris performance in the second half against Virginia Tech last week. He looked good. And so if he's coming in, I'm not sure he's officially been named the starter, but uh, probably gives them the best chance to win. And uh, if he you know, does so, home game against Boston College next week, maybe NC State can you know, get on a roll and, and maybe make a real push at, at 10 wins again. Back-to-back -back road games to finish at Louisville and, and at North Carolina will be tough. But you know, there's a chance that they can – uh, make a run at what a lot of people had as far as you know preseason expectations for NC State, despite losing their you know number one guy uh, and, and you know one of the one of the most well thought of quarterbacks 
uh, in the country coming into the season. So I, I don't necessarily have a great read on this. NC State was you know, somewhat fortunate, uh, had a sub-50% postgame win expectancy in the win over Virginia Tech last week, according to collegefootballdata.com. Um, Wake Forest, though, really laid an egg last week. So will they be able to bounce back? We think NC State has the more talented roster. They would be favored by nearly five points in our talent edge model. Uh, the stats-only model likes Wake Forest by two, but all of those line up on NC State to cover. I don't necessarily see it that clearly, uh, especially if that Wake Forest passing game gets going. Uh, but you know, perhaps, at least the way our numbers, either they're not uh, catching how big of a drop-off there is from Leary, or you know, perhaps the market is sort of undervaluing MJ Morris a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. MJ Morris took over uh, midway through that game last week, right? And uh, looked awesome. I think uh, if I'm reading this correctly, he had the second most passing yards in a game uh, for NC State this season. Uh, Devin Leary threw for 300 and something against UConn as the only one with more passing yards for NC State uh, this season. So, uh, Xavier, what do you think? Can Morris get this done with NC State or do you see Wake Forest winning this game? As you said before, I think Wake Forest's, Wake Forest defense can be had sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And, and the one thing I will say about this defense is, is against a backup quarterback, I think it's a little bit different. Um, I think you as a defense maybe play with a little bit more confidence. As a defensive coordinator, maybe you call a little bit more of a, uh, you know, more of, more of an attack-heavy type of game. You're not trying to be so conservative. You're not trying to, you know, hopefully he doesn't, you know, hit one over the top. Like, I think right now they're going to force that kid to be the best quarterback he can be and see what they're going to be able to get away with and then in the second half to implement what they want to. Um, they're kind of going to – and to, you know, to NC State's credit, that might be a good thing, right? Sometimes we've seen backup quarterbacks come in and be the exact opposite of what has it been in the game and not been working, and it comes out to their, you know, to their favor. Uh, Jalen Hurts coming in for Tua, Tua coming in for Jalen Hurts. So, you know, we, we've seen defenses, you know, be able to – you know, suffocate a starter, but not be able to do the same thing to a backup who maybe has a different play style. What I will say is there's no way that NC State doesn't score at least 35 points in this game. Um, I think that when you look at NC State's defense, the one thing I will say against Virginia Tech is they weren't great against the pass. Virginia Tech just kind of went away from it in the second half. And they're, they, I will say this much, their pressure on the quarterback got extremely better in the second half. Uh, and I think that lended themselves a lot of favor when Virginia Tech had time, they threw the ball around the yard. They they got the ball out, um, and they allowed their playmakers to make plays. And that's the one thing I will say Sam Hartman has done an excellent job of this year. When they're going good, they just let their playmaker – he just lets A.T. Perry and company make plays. He throws it up for them, says, go get it, and, you know, goes from there, right? Grant Wills did some of that against them, right? He threw it up to Caleb Smith. He had three receptions for 141 yards. If that's not go up and go get it, I don't know what else is. So, you know, I, I think that when you look at NC State's defense, their secondary has not been good enough for them to be, you know, uh, to compete in this game, in my opinion. Also, they have a little bit too much of a reliance on Thayer Thomas um, for, as being their only source of offense sometimes outside of the quarterback position. Uh, he does so much for them in the passing game. I think this week, you know, if they're going to have any success, it's going to be because they're getting the ball to him, right? In the Virginia Tech game, when they started turning things around, Thomas had 118 yards, uh, 10 receptions, but two touchdowns, right? They got the ball in his hand and let him go to work. 
I think they're going to have to do a lot of that this week, a lot of short throws, allowing him to kind of, you know, make plays after the catch. And if they are able to do that, then they can stay in this ballgame with, with Wake Forest. I just don't think they have the horses to stop Wake Forest at all. And I think Wake Forest wins this game somewhere around 42 to 24, 42 to 30. Because um, I don't think Wake Forest's defense is good enough to just, like, shut someone out. And so Wake, NC State is going to have its opportunities. But Wake Forest, man, when they're going, when they're humming, they just look so – they look like they can be dang near anybody. Um, when they're when they're really humming, you know, so I, I think that they're going to be doing that this week. Maybe they overlooked Louisville last week and got you know punched in the face consistently, and gave up 35 points in a single quarter. But I think this week they had their head screwed on again, playing a ranked opponent, um, and, and have a big chance to win a game on the road, which is going to be extremely important for them. Uh, and yeah, they, they go ahead and get a big win and keep themselves within striking distance um, of a uh, of an ACC championship. Birth. I know it's kind of a long shot at this point with two losses um, and Clemson not having any, but you never really know. Things can get weird down the stretch here. Uh, last game up uh, before we go uh, freestyle here. We have uh, Texas at number 13, Kansas State. Texas is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, Nick has this a little bit more in the favor of Texas, uh, closer to four. Um, 54 and a half is the total under that one. Once again here, um, Texas is coming off a bye, but Kansas State uh, just stomped Oklahoma State. Uh, they look pretty good. Um, I, I don't know what to think about this game. Uh, how you seen it here, Nick? Uh, so this is not what you asked, so I apologize uh, for what I'm about to say, but mm. sometimes I can't help. But Am I about think- to be insulted? too uh, far. I don't know how you're going to take this. Okay. Uh, I I can't help sometimes, but look too far ahead. And it might depend on what Texas is able to do in the transfer portal. Uh, on the, the, in this, in the, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be able to replace a couple of, of veterans that they've been relying on as starters. I think it's at least a 50 50 uh, shot that regardless of how the season plays out, uh, Texas is our preseason number one power rated team. Next year. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what that sort of early read of how the numbers are probably looking. If you look at who's got a quarterback coming back, who doesn't, it'll depend on, what Clemson does an automatic number one ranking for anyone named Manning, I believe. Uh, but with <laughs> when yours being back, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and a lot of talent at other places. Uh, so be ready for, for us to be front and Man. center on the uh, Texas hype train all off season. Uh, Xavier is going to quit. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Hey, we've talked a lot, a lot of Georgia. Of watch. Yeah. So. I'm sure there's going to be a uh, lot anyway. of on fraud watch if they're number one. So. <laughs> uh, but, but to this game specifically, I don't know. I mean, K-State did what it did last week without Adrian Martinez, uh, which is just another layer to how improbable it was. Um, if he were fully healthy and able to play in this game, we would have, uh, Texas as uh, right around what the official line is, two and a half, three, something along those lines. Um, there's not a huge, huge drop off with Adrian Martinez, but he does rate higher uh, in our player projection uh, numbers. Um, but 
our model, you know, the, the way we calculate things for better or for worse, and sometimes it's for worse, uh, really likes Texas. And so sees Texas as being, you know, sixth overall in roster strength, uh, actually grades out really well in on-field performance. Yeah, they've got uh, that big, ugly, crooked number on the, the you know, loss column and the, the win-loss record. Uh, but they are sixth in overall team performance. They've played top 15 offense, you know, roughly top 15 defense in our team performance numbers. Uh, no major weak spot. I mean, the worst of it is is 36th uh, against the pass defensively. Um, you know, K-State's not really going to – I know they hit some big plays last week, but traditionally, uh, week to week, you know, don't see a whole lot of uh, big uh, pass plays. Usually they rank 60th in yards per pass attempt. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, you know, K-State does play really, really good defense. You know, they're top 10 in PPA, uh, predicted points per play. According to collegefootballdata.com, they're number five in yards per pass attempt allowed against FBS opponents. They're top 25 in success rate against and points per drive, 32nd in yards per uh, play against FBS opponents. So they are, um, you know, maybe not completely dominant, but they don't break a whole lot if they bend. So um, they're playing like a top 10 team overall uh, when you factor in, you know, pretty solid offense, rushing uh, team performance. They ranked 13th. Deuce Vaughn looked healthier last week than he had the, the previous couple of weeks. Uh, and he can make plays in any game against anybody. So um, I personally, uh, I don't quite know what to make of this Kansas State team. Texas has let us down a couple of times. It's very possible that, you know, our number seven ranked team and our uh, 2023 preseason number one or two, I can almost guarantee you, uh, might be overrated. It's possible. Um, but this is a game that our numbers like Texas, like Texas to cover. The talent edge is almost double digits. Uh, but the stats only model, you know, Texas is less than a one point favorite. So um, those those two models have not really seen eye to eye in uh, a lot of matchups this week, which um, I don't necessarily love. I, I need to go back and look at, you know, when they agree, when they disagree and which one you know what the records are what the the absolute error is that's that's maybe you know maybe i'll have some time to do that later this week or, or something but um i'm curious because our traditional model has been the better one of late i kind of have taken a shining to the stats only model um you know mid-season here but uh they don't agree and we'll just see how it plays out uh xavier uh, who who do you like in this game i mean um it's so funny to me that Texas might be number one uh, next season. I'm looking going, we better win one, one more of these games to get to a bowl. I mean, uh, you know, the schedule is not easy moving forward for Texas. It's uh, Kansas State, TCU, at Kansas, and Baylor. Uh, you know, never what I thought that Baylor looks like the most likely win. Uh, that's of course those. assuming there's not any like mass exodus, and sure. yes, I know well, B. John yeah, Robinson will be there, but maybe that would be in right. question. I don't think that's going to happen though, but, but uh, that's what the numbers are telling me right now. Th this game right here, um, it see, this one feels like 
Texas barely wins this game and then just gets stomped by TCU next week is what my like Texas gut tells me. Uh, but uh, how do you see uh, this game playing out here, Xavier? Kansas State hosting Texas. I see the complete opposite. I, I, okay. I see y'all losing this game by like 10. Getting 15. stomped by Kansas State and barely yeah, beating and TCU. Then, and then okay. you beat TCU at home and everybody's like, ah. TCU, TCU needs that quality loss to Texas. Texas <laughs> out their season somehow, right? Like, yeah. I, this is a game that for me is a little bit of a styles clash. Um, you know, you're going to look at uh, a Kansas State team that's going to look to run the football, get Duvon involved early, really make sure that they understand they can control the clock and run the football, keep the ball out of your uh, your offense's hands. But Will Howard has definitely added another level to this team. Uh, I don't. That's no. Sh- that's no shade to, to you know uh, Adrian Martinez at all. But his willingness to throw the football and throw it deep has been something that has been impressive, um, and it's something kind of you wanted. You just needed to see from Kansas State to think that they were a team that could possibly compete. You know, we, we saw the, the you know, Deuce Vaughn go bonkers against, you know, Oklahoma, but they didn't throw the football all that much. It was really like they just out physical them. They ran the football all over them. They got the ball out to their guys. And, you know, you had a lot of rack yardage. But you didn't think that that was sustainable. And I think we talked about that after the, the Oklahoma win. We were like, how much is it sustainable to have Adrian Martinez be your second leading rusher? Um, and, heck, at times look like your most potent rusher at times, right? Ever since Will Howard came in, and I talked about it a little bit, even in their loss to TCU, he just looked so – he looked like he understood the offense, like the back of his hand one. And he looked like he just was a little bit more poised in the pocket. Like he just had what he wanted in the pocket. Um, and, and last week showed that. I mean, two, 21-37, 296, and four touchdowns. I mean, he Malik Knowles looks like a sleeper as one of the you know better receivers in college football right now. He might be one of those guys that comes in, has a really good combine, and now all of a sudden has, people have to go back and watch his highlight tape. Seemingly happens every year, uh, but they look like a team that genuinely could make some some real noise and rule and really you know and possibly win the Big Twelve at this point, right? Like they look like a team that could give TCU a ton of trouble, especially when you saw how they played them the first time around. Give them a second opportunity with their quarterbacks actually being healthy. Yeah, that game might be a complete different matchup. Um, but yeah, I think Texas. My biggest concern is is Quinn Ewers took the dive a little bit in the last couple of weeks. He just has not been all that great and he needs to be because at the end of the day Bijan can only be so good you know at the end of the day this is in 1987 you can't just have a great running back and hope to god he runs for 200 yards like just, that just doesn't exist like it used to um you need your guys especially your quarterback to make certain plays to be able to make plays with his arms on a consistent basis and if he can't do it then it's going to be a long afternoon for you um and if Quinn Ewers can come in in this game and play well then all bets are off um, in my opinion, all, all bets have to be off because Quinn is just that talented of a quarterback when he's playing well. Um, on the flip side of that, I, I genuinely think Kansas State has one of the better pass rushers in the country. Um, and he's going to he, he's slowly but surely moving his way with the draft boards. And I, and I really think that he has a good opportunity of being a guy like, um, you know, being one of those Greg Russo kind of risers uh, where, he, you know, all of a sudden he's picked at 16, 17, maybe even high, you know, maybe even a low to mid teens. Uh, come the draft where, you know, beginning of the year, he wasn't even in most mock draft first rounds. So uh, give me Kansas State. Like I said, I think this is a game that, that Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, that Texas loses, uh, but then they go in Molly Watt, t- TCU, and everybody's like, where was this all year? I hope we're both wrong. And they're both Texas stompings. So, I mean, that would make it the Big 12 really weird towards the end of the year. No, that would, get, that would put Texas in second place. I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
that would then have the top five o- in our power rankings. And no that would, that would have Oklahoma State <laughs> number one in your hearts, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like, it, well, hold on. Before we get to Nick, was Oklahoma first in your power rankings in in twenty twenty two? Oklahoma? No, in Texas the, in the Big Twelve. No, no, no. no. This past year, yeah, yeah. No, this past year, were they were they the team? Were your, they your favorite to win the Big Twelve? No, Texas was. Oh, it was pretty close, but obviously we were dead wrong on Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we you could argue we've been wrong on Texas too. So the Big Twelve <laughs> yep. is good. The big, I mean, that's that's yeah. a thing. Well, There's I, no I, weak I team sure in the Big Twelve, that in my, in my opinion, and in a lot of you know projection systems. Oh yeah, but yeah, no. If Texas wins this week, that would give Kansas State its second loss. It would make sure they would make if Oklahoma State wins. Oh, conference, right, yeah, sorry. it would be kind of nasty. It would be a gross system if that happens. All right, let's go lightning round here uh, for a couple of these. Um, yes. I mean, there's some huge spreads here. Ohio State is a 38-point favorite at Northwestern. Oregon is a 36-and-a-half-point favorite at Colorado. You, uh, do we have either one of those lines holding up, Nick? Uh, we can't get there in any of them. I, actually, I will say the, the PRISM model, the stats-only model, does have Ohio State covering. So okay. that, that might be a good sign. Northwestern is bad, that bad. Well, what do you, um, what do you think just personally? Do you think the, these lines get covered? They're, they're enormous. I don't I know. I think Oregon I mean, covers for sure. I don't know that I've seen a worse team than Colorado as a P5 team. They're bad. They're they're bad. Both, both of these teams are bad. Um, yeah. And both of their opponents are good. So uh, weird things can happen sometimes on the road. Northwestern can muck things up sometimes. We haven't really seen it very much lately. Yeah, uh, but just against have, Nebraska and Ireland, right? They have given Ohio State some trouble in the last half decade, so I don't really rely too much on that. But um, I, I think there's a good chance that both of these teams cover relatively easily, uh, even though our projections don't see. Xavier, you on that too? Big line, don't care. Take take the good team. Take the line. At this point in the year, I think we've learned enough about bad teams to know that they're bad. Uh, you know, there's there's not and, and they don't have any of like that weird mojo where I was talking about like with Auburn last year in Alabama, where it's like, well, you never know because they play horribly in this stadium. It's like, no, 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 no. These teams are bad and they should perform bad at this point in the year. Uh, I think Syracuse versus Pitt is an incredibly interesting game. Uh, yes. Pitt is a three and a half point favorite at home against number 22 Syracuse. Nick, uh, how do you see that one going? Our official model has Pitt covering about four and a half is the projection there. Stats only model has Pitt favored by half a point. So would have Syracuse covering there. Uh, we are uh, quarter. This is this is one have to make a judgment call on quarterback. Uh, we split Schrader and Del Rio Wilson as uh, co-starters. So if okay. that that only factors into uh, the talent edge and the official projection that doesn't affect the, the stats only model. So the stats only model is giving Syracuse, you know, full Garrett Schrader, at least until the second half of last week. Um, but it seems to me that that Syracuse has, has hit a bit of a rough patch here. And, and this is a game that Pitt could win. Uh, Xavier, how many touches for Sean Tucker? Uh, how many, how many touches does he need for them to win this game? Cause right now he's sitting at about 177 touches, uh, on the season so far. If he so. doesn't break 200 touches in this game, I, uh, like if he doesn't break 200, I'd be disgusted. Give him the ball. Like what are we doing? 
Like, what, like, what you, like, he needs touch the ball thirty times, right? Yeah, like twenty like, rushes, like, ten like, catches. Really that's what we walk need. Walk out of that tunnel, like you didn't all of a sudden just inherit this amazing quarterback. Give the kid the ball. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I just don't get. Yeah. Like, Football is an easy game, folks. It, it, it really is. It and can be. I disagree. It's hard. It's really difficult. <laughs> and not giving your best player the ball in the last two weeks, rushing wise, he's gotten twenty two carries. That's it. That's it in two yeah. weeks. That's ridiculous. Like, I don't know. Get it together, Dino. Get it together. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm with you. Give the ball. Give the ball to the kid. Uh, OK State by two and a half on the road against Kansas, a ranked Oklahoma State team on the road against Kansas, only getting giving two and a half points. Uh, I believe is Kansas coming off a. Of- why did they yes. not play last week? And yeah, Jalen Daniels may be healthy enough to play. Yeah, I mean, did we have a picture of him with both of his arms up over his head again? <laughs> not an updated uh, get, one, I don't think. Uh, no updated one? Uh, oh, man, they're I've definitely going to lose then. Yeah, we, uh, we have but Bean is good, too. How, how do you see this one going? We have Kansas covering. We have Ooh. Oklahoma State favored by a point and a half. Uh, it's going to partly depend on Spencer Sanders if, you know, he's been – less than 100%, we do give Oklahoma State full uh, credit for him. Uh, so not not necessarily expecting Gunnar Gundy to, to get that start, but if he were to start and for, you know, somewhat unexpectedly Spencer Sanders is unavailable, um, that would be maybe the biggest drop-off from starter to backup uh, that we would see in any of our projections so at that point we would have kansas favored pretty clearly especially if Jalen daniels is playing um but it's a weird one i mean it it just doesn't look right on my screen that oklahoma state's only favored by a point and a half <laughs> uh xavier i mean are you gonna take kansas in the money line or do you think uh oklahoma state uh Shows Kansas what's up here. What do you think? Let's be weird. Let's go Kansas. Like, this is a team that needs a win. They get a win. I believe they're in a bowl game. Right, Nick? I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain. So, you know, they've got more incentive than anybody on the field come Saturday. You know, can Oklahoma State season is not over, but their aspirations are, for all intents and purposes, are pretty much done of trying to, you know, get their comeuppance and, and win the Big 12. So, give me Kansas. Let's 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 put the fork in Oklahoma State so we don't have to talk to, about it for the rest of the year. We can talk about Kansas winning six games and being ranked for the first time in my lifetime, it feels like. Uh, yeah, I think they were ranked in 2012 or something. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe they had another good year. 2007, yeah. they were number two. We look, yeah, we looked at it before. It, <laughs> right. it was, uh, yeah, they, they were ranked. It was not as long as I thought it would have been. But I don't, once again, Anytime Kansas has been ranked, what has it been for two weeks, three weeks? You know, it hasn't been. Uh, yeah, Todd Reesing and Mark Mangino, the magic years. Oh, yeah, Todd Reesing. Oh, oh my lord. Jesus, I've heard that name in forever. Yeah, I know. We're going uh, into the wayback machine here. Um, let's see what else we have here. Let's go with a uh, look. Arizona made a showing last week against USC. Uh, you know, they did score late to screw my 15 and a half points. Really? That was one of the ones I got backdoored on that I was telling you all about. Um, but number 12, Utah, 17 and a half point home favorites against Arizona. Arizona was at home to play USC last week. So maybe a little of the magic is gone. How do you see that one going, Nick? Yeah, we sure would like to get an Arizona win. Uh, they're one of those that we have. Uh, we, we officially cannot lose their preseason win total projection, but, still have to win it uh, at over three. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, what, how do they respond after a very competitive showing last week? Do they get over the hump? Do they do it again? Or is it, you know, another quality opponent? We came up short last time and we're just not going to do it. And then maybe take a step back. I'm not sure. Uh, Xavier, what do you think? I don't know. You know, this is a team that we talked about it in the preseason is moving in the right direction, right? Like, we, for all intents and purposes, right now they're the Arizona team moving in the right direction for all intents and purposes. So, like, you know, you, you think that, you know, after a pretty decent showing in the week prior that they could put back-to-back okay showings. But UCLA, I mean, I talked about them being a confident team. Oh, excuse me, not UCLA. Utah. Um, I talked about, you know, Utah finally hitting their stride a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, you know, that they would beat USC, but they gave me a really crappy performance against Washington State. I just felt like they had somewhat of a hangover after beating USC. They didn't Cam Rising was out, which well, is weird. And yeah. will he be back this week? We don't you know. know. And, and they had a rather up-and-down performance. The only person that is consistent on that roster is Dalton Kincaid. Another great who's great also player. hurt might not play. Probably yeah. Exactly. Did he get hurt like when one of the last plays of the game? Yeah, it's pretty ugly looking. On a touch, well, I think he got hurt before. And then it didn't look good. Yeah, it didn't look good. That didn't look good. It doesn't oh, sound good for him. I, I, I don't know what Utah's going to be this game. Um, if, if any game for Arizona to knock them off, it would be this one, right? Yeah, Thomas was out a completely hard thing, you know. Man, and, it's, and, if somebody can give me the numbers on it, this would be the first time Arizona would beat a ranked team in how long? A while. So yeah, yeah like, you know, Cole Tate could knock off somebody, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I, yeah, Cole Tate could have. Yeah. Give me Arizona to cover. I, I just, I can't pick against Utah right now. I think they're rolling a little bit, even with their injuries. I think they'd be able to win this ball game. But wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if Arizona beat a uh, beat a very, very hampered Utah team. Yeah. They are still Utah. That's kind of what I keep coming back to. Yeah. Our projections like 11. So gives Arizona, I think, some uh, respect. And yeah, look. It takes into account it. how banged up Utah is. Uh, but if Rising's back, if Thomas is back, you know, if Kincaid is somehow uh, back, or if they get one of those three or two of those three, uh, it is still Utah. So I, it's, it's uh, you know, I kind of trust them to, to find a way to win. They might not be pretty the- the big difference to me here is Arizona on the road. You know, they were at home against sure. USC. Sure. And, I mean, uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, Oklahoma's bad defense all the time. It, it's like Lincoln Riley brought it to USC. Getting right? better. Yeah. Getting yeah. Better a bit. yeah, Xavier, you're completely right about that. Yeah, not last week. Couldn't couldn't cover for me at the end of the game, Nick, yeah. USC. Well, hey, I mean, Oklahoma's defense is better. I'm talking about USC's defense because it felt like Lincoln <laughs> Riley just brought it it's from the Oklahoma. Of Riley, I, I, we yeah. talked about this before the season started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can coach a great offense, but his defenses never seem to put it together. Also, 122nd rushing defense. He needs Dancing to get a Kwiatkowski in there uh, the to coach some defense or something. 2017, um, they beat Washington State, who was ranked 15 at the time. They beat a 58 37. All right, oh, how about yeah. some fun ones here? UConn is a 15 and a half point no. home favorite against UMass. Nick. Our numbers have not caught up to a competitive UConn. We do have them <laughs> favored by eight. Uh, starting a true freshman quarterback in the mid 70s in our They're already over their win total, right? They have four. Oh, yeah. Long. Yeah, they crushed it. Okay. Uh, so we're not, yeah. UMass, we 
uh, funny enough, like one of our things that that became a theme in the offseason was all the teams down at the bottom, the Yukons, the UMass, the New Mexico State. The projections were just like, man, we're too high on everyone. We're, it's going to be over, 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 over on all these win projections. Well, UConn went over real quick. New Mexico State's not going under. Uh, there are you know, several others that, that worked out well. UMass still holding out. Apparently is still bad. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, how about some surprisingly unranked matchups? Uh, Texas A&M, a three and a half point favorite uh, hosting Florida. Uh, Xavier, let, we'll start with you on that one. You like the Aggies or the Gators? Can we? I, I, I want the Gators to win just to see Jimbo's contract go into flames. That team is reeling <laughs> right now, and there will be nothing that would make me happier than to see AM get rid of another high-profile coach after an amazing recruiting year where he oh. swore it had nothing to do with NIO. Nothing whatsoever. Oh, that is beautiful. I love that logic. Uh, Nick, what do you think of AM in Florida? Uh, our projections have AM covering in all three, but by no more than four and a half points. So okay. our projections Close. are between uh, – 3.87 and 4.29 on that one. Uh, Kentucky is a one and a half point road favorite against Missouri. Uh, once again, neither one of these teams is ranked. Funny looking line. It's one of those, you know, conference game. Road Missouri's game. been good though. Eh, a little bit. Okay. Last week they Missouri you know, has improved. Carolina. That's what I should. Uh, they're no pushover necessarily, and Kentucky's, you know, uh, they're they're probably still licking their wounds after last week. Uh, we have Kentucky covering in two of the three. Uh, the stats model has Kentucky about a one-point favorite. Um, but, yeah, kind of a that that line looked funny to my eye when I saw it first time. Feels like what? Kentucky should be favored by more than a field goal. But I mean, just what the hell is going on with Missouri, right? Uh, they get smoked by Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they barely lose to a bad Auburn team. Yep. Then – they barely lose to Fumbled Georgia. <laughs> yeah, uh, they 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 barely lose to Georgia. Yep. Uh, they own they lose to Florida by a touchdown. They barely beat Vandy, and then they beat a ranked South Carolina team. I can't. It's this a drink is why, a point, man. As you Xavier can't. would say, though, that was a fraudulent. Oh yeah, I mean South Carolina, South Carolina team. Carolina. <laughs> like regardless. No offense to any of our that is South a that is really, no full offense to South Carolina. Oh, whatever, Xavier. You don't have to go personal. Come on, <laughs> it's South Carolina. It's always personal. Okay, All I right, got kicked in the head of the South Carolina camp. It's always personal. Did you really? Oh my yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always That's that sounds pretty personal to me. But one and a half. <laughs> I mean, one Explains and a half a points uh, here, but for Kentucky, it it just feels like they're gonna beat the bejesus out of Missouri, but every time you think that, or Missouri barely lose. loses. Missouri plays up. They do. They are a team that plays up and also they play down. Down. Yeah, they don't have a middle ground. They play down and they play up, so wouldn't be surprised if they win this, if Kentucky wins this game on a last second field goal. I, I will tell you the the line that I still can't quite like, I, I wonder if I just put it in wrong. <laughs> Minnesota's a 15 and a half point favorite at Nebraska. Did I mess yeah. that up? Did no, I No, I got 16. Did I add a 1 and no, Minnesota why should be would a 5 you? and a half point favorite? No, at Nebraska, Nebraska is miserable. I mean Minnesota, I don't really trust them to blow out Nebraska Everybody picked look, look, everyone picked. It Our was projections one of those, 5. 
<laughs> I, I I feel like it was uh, where the whole row was uh, Nebraska against Illinois, and I wrote up Illinois. It's one of the few I got right uh, this week was I had Illinois in the under. But, I mean, Nebraska just got stomped by Illinois. They, they barely lost to Purdue. Their biggest win this season was against Indiana. I'm, right? I'm more on Minnesota. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just not remembering the what happened. But it to to my mind's eye or, or whatever term I'm supposed to say, uh, they just haven't. I mean, you know, lost three in a row before last week. Last week looked good. 100% post-game win expectancy. Dominated Rutgers. They stomp Rutgers. But, you know, lost to Penn State, lost to Illinois, lost to Purdue. Uh, two of those three were 0%. Post game win expectancy, thirty one percent against Purdue. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily trust them to go on the road, beat a team that our numbers think is more talented by over two touchdowns. I could be completely wrong about that. I know Nebraska is not the New York Giants or insert good NFL team here, uh, <laughs> but they're you know I don't they're know. It just it seems like a weird seems like a weird line to me. Xavier, do you have a, a, a lean one way or the other in that giant line in Minnesota's favor? I mean, look, Minnesota's got to put together a really good offensive performance at some point. Like, they've got all do the they? talent. Man, 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 Minnesota is that team. It, it is like Oklahoma State for me. They are I like the them. That has ex- I like them. I, I like see. Them that's why I looked. I saw that line, and I did not bat an eye. I wasn't like Nick yeah. questioning it. Uh, just because Nebraska's been bad, but you're right. Minnesota hasn't been good. Well, part so. of it is I look at the projections before I look at the lines. So I'm seeing okay. you know, five points. I'm seeing Nebraska having oh. a talent edge. I'm seeing the stats only model gives Minnesota a little more respect, 7.8. But then to see 15 and a half in a conference game in our you know, projections, it just, it, it, that was a big projected edge, which, uh, you know, for me is like, oh, what did I do wrong? Right. Or, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah but just it, 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 uh, it perplexed me. It perplexed. <laughs> uh, I got, I got three more unranked games okay, here cool. for you. I got, just yeah, real you fast. No, well, go, well, go ahead. Uh, g- give me yours first, Xavier. Illinois is now a 16 and a half point favorite over Michigan State. Open at eight and a half. I mean, goodness. Michigan State I only sh- bows up against Michigan. They're bad. I, 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 well, I they were very good. But, but Illinois football, I, I understand they're right. Don't get me wrong. But they're not a team that necessarily, like, blows out everybody. They they beat Nebraska last week by 17. They, On they the road. They beat Iowa by three. It was 9-6. Like, like I, I understand Illinois has is a ranked opponent. Don't get me wrong. They, they've earned it. They're 14th in the country. Cool. Best defense in the country. 16 and a half point favorites. They're like, very, very good they, defensively. They, Iowa nine six, and Chase Brown is leading the country in rushing yards. So playing like a top ten team in team performance, sixteenth in our power rankings, which is what's I mean, their unheard offensive of rating? What what's that? What's their offensive rating? Sixty eighth overall, ninety fourth passing. So not yeah. elite by so any the, stretch. The one thing that Michigan State can't do is stop the pass, and the, the one thing Illinois can't do is pass. Well, and Michigan State a uh, little thinner especially on defense this week and the rest of the season as names of guys who are suspended indefinitely after that ugly incident uh, oh, yeah. after the game in Michigan. Uh, Jacoby Winman 
transfer linebacker from UNLV, starter, productive, uh, was among the, the uh, most recent names. Angelo Gross, who was a starter, um, is also uh, among those. So, uh, you know, things things are not good at Michigan State. I was very complimentary of Mel Tucker. I did not think that his uh, contract extension was ridiculous, like it seems 95% of, of other people out there uh, do. And right now, you know, I, I, I look pretty dumb for that because, uh, yeah, the on-field product, we know, it's been a, a disappointment. Um, and the thing that I was really bullish on uh, with Mel Tucker was, you know, recruiting and handling, uh, you know, a team culture and things like that. And one incident and, you know, uh, however many, I don't want to say a handful, it looked like more than a handful of players, but um, doesn't necessarily give a full picture of the entire program, um, but not a good look and is the kind of situation where things can sour real quickly, both in the locker room and outside. So uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I was really high. Our projections were not high on Michigan State. This, you know, they're one of our 33 wins on the preseason. We were on the under and, and that cashed early. Um, but I was long term much more optimistic, and I am less so today based on what I've seen, you know, the last couple of weeks. Um, here's the three that I was looking at that I want to talk to you guys about. We do have o- them covered, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Oklahoma by three. Over Baylor, neither one of those teams is ranked. That's an interesting one. Uh, UAB uh, is a one-point dog at home. UTSA looks like they are giving a point in that game. That's an interesting one as well. Neither one of those two teams uh, is ranked. And the last one that I had here would be uh, Auburn is a twelve and a half point dog after firing Brian Harson. Uh, on the road at Mississippi State. So any any of those games, uh, the, it pique your interest here, Nick. Well, am I using the term dead cow, dead cat bounce correctly? Or taught me that situation? one. Yeah, that that's the uh, you fire your coach and your team gets better. I don't like that term. It's it's worked out. It's, you know, it's it's so far this year. Teams right after they fire their head coach, playing pretty well. Um, we have Auburn covering. Not, you know, don't necessarily feel great about it. Uh, definitely, you know, some factors that, that we cannot account for. We have UAB uh, favored outright by about a point. So not a huge edge necessarily, but but do you think that the, at least in our projections that the wrong team is favored? UAB's uh, home and road splits. I mean, it's almost like they're playing in the American League East. I don't know. Uh, but... Um, tried to make a reference there. I don't think it landed. Uh, I tried to make it a little bit of a joke. But uh, the what was the other one? Last one, Oklahoma. We have them Oklahoma favored by Miller. by about four. So pretty close. Uh, the the talent model loves Oklahoma. The stats model thinks Baylor should be favored. So no clear edge really. Uh, they certainly don't line up. Um, but I'm intrigued by that game because we've been pretty low on Baylor. We were certainly, as Xavier mentioned, high on Oklahoma in the offseason. They seem to be playing a little bit better. Um, will they actually be able to, you know, show that in this game? 
Baylor, certainly a game they can win too. So uh, that one, I'm excited to, to watch that one and learn from it, uh, but don't have a great read on it going in. Uh, Xavier, um, any of those games? And then I'll just throw in also Florida State seven and a half point road favorites at Miami. I mean, that used to be one of the best games of the year. And it took now, until an hour 55 in to yeah. even bring it up here. Now it's just cesspool. Um, now it's just disgusting, personally. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma should beat Baylor. I'm, I'm sorry. Oklahoma's got to put together a game. Like, they just they, – they have to put together a game that reminds me that Oklahoma's Oklahoma. I understand that they've fallen on hard times this year in Brent Venable's first year. I understand all the dynamics of what's happened. But – if you are one of the best teams in the conference, which Oklahoma talent-wise is, this should be a statement game where you go on, you beat Baylor, beat the brakes off of Baylor, and, and you kind of end the season off rolling off big dubs, reminding everybody that we'll be back next year. Uh, Mississippi State should roll, pun intended, um, Auburn. They, they should absolutely do so uh, because I, Auburn, for me, is just a team that I saw this year, coming into this year, just had way too many deficiencies on the offensive side of football. And Mississippi State, where they've struggled at times, I don't think Auburn has the talent on defense to cause them to struggle in this game, uh, where they have been in, in previous years, uh, more in previous games for, for Mississippi State. I just feel like Mississippi State ran into the buzzsaws of the SEC West, unfortunately for themselves, and didn't cover themselves in glory. This is what Mississippi State does, though. This is a team that arguably starts off 5-1, and 6-0, and 4-2, seemingly every year. And then they play Bama, then they play an Eastern, an Eastern opponent, and then they play, you know, like LSU, and they lose all three. And all of a sudden, they go from a team that was ranked right outside the top 25 or right in the top 25 to not being ranked at all. And they finish somewhere around eight and four and go to the out and, and go play in, in the Outback Bowl or they make it to the, the, the Auto Zone Citizens Bowl, you know, something like that. So give me Mississippi State over Auburn, a team that I would agree may get that bump because Harson is gone, but they. They're trash. They shouldn't have been in this game. <laughs> if Auburn doesn't win this game, our, our uh, 33 and two. Which is about to be thirty-three and three if Ohio can uh, close it out against Buffalo as we uh, talk into the ten o'clock hour almost on a Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> I should be in bed by now, but uh, <laughs> the yeah, if if Auburn doesn't win this game, uh, we're gonna probably uh, guarantee ourselves a couple of uh, additional losses on so our Mississippi State Auburn under Auburn. and our Auburn over because we were dumb. <laughs> whatever <laughs> uh all right look uh it is getting late this one has run a little bit longer than normal so we'll go ahead and wrap it up right here remember you can follow us all on the twitter machine i am at bogman sports at cfb winning edge for nick allen and at xavier underscore trish tri chi for xavier good luck and we will see you guys next week take it easy everybody thank you to our patreon supporters for keeping our show ad free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.